Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Dark I'm the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within and uh, welcome to, I don't know, part two of my um, take on ASIC's report, Australian Securities Investment Commission um, report that they put out, Retail Investor Trading During COVID-19 Volatility. If you haven't downloaded a copy of that report after watching or listening to my first podcast in this, do it. Get onto ASIC, asic.gov.au and go to the report retail investor trading during COVID-19 volatility or just Google it, print it up and re- seriously read it because it is seriously scary about what people are doing out there. Um, and you need to, awareness brings change. And, and I say that because once, you know, people read my book, Accelerate Your Wealth, or, and I had a lot of people, you know, we've had tens of thousands of people read my book and managed how to beat the managed funds, my bestseller. I think Accelerate Your Wealth is pretty much a bestseller now. I didn't even look. It's not really that important to me. Uh, I just, hopefully people are reading it, but um, when my those two books, the people who read How to Beat the Managed Funds by 20% breeze through the tech rate. They breeze through the they breeze through the GFC, sorry, not the tech rate. Um, the tech rate was before I wrote the book, not long before it. But they would have breezed through that as well. Um, and anything else that's happened by following what's in the book, but a lot of people email me and go, wow, for the first time I actually understand the market. And for, and more importantly, the amount of people that say to me, I didn't realize how risky I was and how dangerous I was taking my money and my wealth creation, the, the amount of danger I was putting um, into my investing and trading the marketplace. And that's just from a $30 book, let alone our courses. You know, I get so many more comments from people who are doing our diploma course going, you know, in module one, they go, I thought I knew what I was doing in trading the market. And in your first module, you've just blown me out of the water about what I don't know. Um, and I realized how much I didn't know. And this includes people that have been trading full time for many, many years. I've had dozens and dozens of full time traders do the course only to go, wow, I've just had a complete new lesson on how bad I was and how dangerous I was and how I thought I knew what I was doing but I actually didn't. So to me, information is not education and there's a vast difference between knowledge and understanding and I find a lot of people guess at the market. And this ASIC survey talks about this. Now last, in the last episode, so to speak, we talked a little bit about why ASIC we're doing. We talked about it in changes of turnover market share saying how, you know, um, retail investing or turnover, average daily securities turnover, by retail brokers increased by from 1.6 billion to 3.3 billion, it doubled 
You know, we're talking about, um, you know, trading by new and dormant accounts. So the brand new accounts that are opening up, you know, on average, there was 4,675 new identifiers per day. You know, it was up amazingly an amount. So it was roughly the creation of new accounts was 3.4 times higher during basically during late February all the way through to March to early April. 3.4 times more people opening new accounts. That's amazing figures. And it's simply because why would you open a broking account? Because you want to trade and make money from the market. But March was the most volatile time in our market that I've ever seen. It's the most disconnected I've ever seen our market. And there was something going on there and we were staying out of it. So if professionals are staying out of the market, why are the amateurs coming in? You know, and that's what I found is quite interesting by with people. And there's an old saying that... Uh, the professionals, uh, the amateurs open the market, the professionals close it. Uh, and we saw that, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we saw the market move up t- to a new high. And then on the Friday, it just collapsed. Um, and we're seeing that. And the market goes up in stairs and down in elevators. So let's move on on this report. Remember, it's a 14-page report. And, you know, we're seeing, uh, just to go a little bit further on this dormant account uh, identifiers, um, a large number of dormant client identifiers from retail brokers had not traded during the preceding six months, started trading again in the focus period. And it says a total of 142,022 dormant retail broker client identifiers did not trade during the benchmark period, but recommend recommenced trading during the focus period. So the benchmark period was what they looked at so, for example, and I, I can't remember where, what that was. It's on the other pages. Um, but let's say they're comparing March 2020 with March 2019. So 2019 was the benchmark. 2020 was the period that the focus period. So, again, a total number of 142,022 dormant retail broker account identifiers did not trade during the benchmark period. So that was the past period, but recommenced trading during the focus period. So people that hadn't been trading or investing started after the February high. Um, and these dormant identifiers accounted for 21.63% of all active accounts. So one one in every five trading trades were happening by these dormant account people trying to make money. Um, here's a really disturbing figure that ASIC's brought up, trading frequency and day trading. Now, Anybody who's listening to my podcast for long enough and watched our YouTube channel, Wealth Within TV, will know that I day trading is the most, the biggest thing that you won't make money on. Um, it's exceedingly rare for me to find a day trader that's consistently making money year in, year out. Most day traders exist over a period of weeks and months, not years, and definitely not decades. So what I'll say that again is most people, we get so many people ringing up saying, I want a day trade, I want a day trade. And we go, oh, why do you want to do that? And they go, I want to make money. And I go, well, how much money do you want to make? And they go, oh, I'd be happy making 10 or 15%. You go, great, you don't need to day trade. And everybody keeps thinking day trading is what they need to be doing. And it's 100% false. You do not need to do that. The reason why day trading is so highly pushed is because guess what? Brokers make more money from day traders. How does brokers make money? When you trade. The more you trade, the more money the broker makes. And remember my other, my first um, episode in this, um, when I'm talking about this report, I actually said that 90% of the money going into um, accounts for um, FX 
becomes the revenue of the broker. And I'll say that again, is that if, if people opening up accounts with um, FX brokers, futures brokers, and pretty much CFD brokers, um, if people are putting money into the account, let's say they put 10000 into account, that, that broker knows that 9000 is their revenue, and they'll get that revenue in that year. That means only $1,000 is left with the trader, which means they've been losing money. So they might make money for a period of time, but then they'll start losing it. And over that 12-month period, the broker gets 90% of the money placed into accounts that are open with them. So gets back to day trading. Why would you day trade? Because it really benefits the brokers. It doesn't benefit you. It's not a smart way to make money on the marketplace. I mean, who's got the time to sit in front of a screen all day long? And, and, and even worse, I find people, you know, up between between 10 p.m. or 9 or 10 p.m. and, you know, 5 and 6 a.m. in the morning trying to trade overseas markets thinking that they're making a lot of money. And I'll say it again, it's very, 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 very rare for me to find somebody who can do that and be profitable consistently. It's well over 90% of people fail at that because it's just not possible to. And when I do talk to day people that day trade, when I ask them how much time they spend actually day trading, all the hours they spend researching, doing all the things, how much hours they spend on the market, watching the market, all the equipment they've spent, the cost involved with it. And I say, okay, add all that up and then tell me how much you make your gross profit and then calculate an, um, and divide the, how many hours you spend doing it into that and you'll get more money per hour at McDonald's. And I haven't had anybody say I was incorrect. They're all going, yes, you're right. And generally that's why they're calling us because they get to that point where they realize they're spending a lot of time for not a lot of result. Um, but getting back to the ASIC report, trading frequency and day trading, it goes on to say retail investors have been trading more frequently. Yep, seen that. For client identifiers that were active during the focus and benchmark period, there's been a substantial decline in the average time between trades by the same investor in a particular stock. So the average time between trades by the same investor in a particular stock has declined. On average, this was 4.5 days in the benchmark period and one day in the focus period, which means people are buying and selling basically straight away. They're buying and then selling later on in the day or they probably buy today and sell tomorrow pretty quickly. Um, the report also says this may indicate either investors building up positions are more frequently over time or attempting to profit from buying and selling around short-term price movements. For trading in any stock, the average time between trades by the same investor has decreased from 2.5 days to less than one day. So it's telling me that people are buying in in the morning and getting out in the afternoon. That's really what's happening here. So we're seeing a lot of people trying to day trade. And day trading really is, you do need to know what you're doing to day trade. And no, I don't day trade. Uh, I just, it doesn't make that much money. It's a lot of work for a lot of little bit of profit. Um, and you're going to get it wrong a lot of times. It's what we teach people to do is position traders and take a bigger move. And people go, to and ignorant people think that by taking longer positions you make less money that you make more money from being very shorter term on the marketplace and it's 100% the opposite is true 
you know, you spend less time, you had less positions, less tax trying to work it out. You know, the more the more transactions you have, the more issues you have with your paperwork and your profits and your taxation and you're getting your account to do things and costs, etc., etc. And I don't know too many people that like sitting in front of a computer screen all day, let alone 12 or 10. I don't know how many people have said to me they've got eight screens and you see them on those pictures. And it looks fancy and it looks sexy because people think they're in a trading room that you see on Wolf of Wall Street or whatever else. But it's just plain BS. It's not the way people should be trading and it's not a profitable way to trade and I can't say that strongly enough. Um, so don't trade day trading. The report keeps going on, obviously. Uh, an alarming one that talks about good tool cancelled and I'll just bring up my piece of paper with that. Um, trading frequency, let me turn it off. No. Yeah, here we go. Um, exchange traded products. I've had the wrong page in front of me. Um, it goes on to say retail investing trading activity and frequency so obviously we talked a bit about that but exchange traded products so the the average daily turnover in exchange traded products so anything traded on the exchange um, like exchange traded funds and managed funds has increased from 703 million in the benchmark to 1.88 billion that's more than double so people trading in ETFs and other managed funds or exchange traded products um, not stocks, this is just um, exchange traded products. Um, and it more than doubled. Um, in the focus period, counting both sides of each trade consistent with retail numbers, in relative terms, is an increase of 159%, which compares with increased turnover of 86% um, across the broader securities market. However, the proportion of turnover in ETFs that retail brokers were a party to increased marginally from um, 58% of the benchmark to 61% in the focus period. A significant portion of non-retail activity in these products is typically conducted by market makers as opposed to institutional investors. But basically what saying is, that little section is, is a lot of retail people are buying a lot of exchange-traded products um, like ETFs and managed funds. And for those of you who've been listening to my podcast and obviously listening to my watching this on YouTube, you'll know that my thoughts on ETFs. If you're buying index ETFs, you're just not looking after yourself. They are the worst product on the planet for you. You won't outperform the market if you're buying ETFs. They are, and people go, yeah, but they're low cost. And I go, I don't care. If you're buying the, an ETF, you're not getting diversification. That's the biggest lie that you'll be told by the industry. And, and um, I think I mentioned it on a podcast more recently. You know, they're saying, but people are saying, but if the ETF is on the top 200 stocks. That's what they're buying. You know, that's what the ETFs, they're investing in that to give me the diversification. But the ETF is supplied by one company with one stock code on one exchange, regardless of what they're doing with that money. It's one company running the ETF, like iShares, BetaShares, or whoever it is, it's one stock code on the exchange and the ETF provider is, or the market maker is providing liquidity to that. It's still just as, that's just as risky and as undiversified as a BHP or something else. You know, BHP, you have one stock code, one company on one exchange and BHP invests in lots of different things. So you could theory use that um, mentality to say, well, BHP is very diversified, isn't it? Because it's got multiple mines and that sort of stuff. So ETFs don't use them. Um, they really are not good, you know, not index ETFs. I'm not necessarily saying spe specific specialized ones like ones on robotics or artificial intelligence and some of the bear market ETFs or the bear ETFs can be beneficial in this bear market period. So, but stay out of exchange traded product. You're better off buying the stocks yourself. 
Um, but this is the alarming thing that really I saw it just stood out like a sore thumb to me. Um, and it's the last one I'm going to deal with in this podcast. And it's called Changes in Order Characteristics. It's on page six of this ASIC report called Retail Investor Trading During COVID-19 Volatility. And again, if you haven't downloaded this, please do so. I strongly, strongly suggest you do this because it just tells you all the mistakes that people make and why people are delusional about whether they think they know the marketplace because it just highlights some alarming things to me as a professional. But changes in order characteristics, it says increases in new retail trading have also seen changes in order characteristics, including the use of orders that remain open till cancelled, i.e. good till cancelled, or GTC is the acronym. So if you say, if you're placing an order and it says good till cancelled or GTC and you've selected that, you are seriously being dangerous with what you're doing here. Um, It goes on to say, GTC orders provide a benefit of order queue priority and the possibility of orders away from current market prices being hit if there are overnight price moves, I'll read that again. Good till cancelled orders provide the benefit of order queue priority and the possibility of orders away from the current market prices, dangerous, being hit if there are overnight price moves. So what that's effectively saying is somebody's putting a good till cancelled order on away from the current market hoping the US market melts down or does something and then the price will jump and they make money the next day seriously dangerous good till cancelled mean you must you must cancel it at some stage it's going to keep being in the market until you cancel it now the ASX do have rules around how long that can happen and I can't remember what they are but it's like 30 days but imagine if something if you put let's say your stock's at $10 and you put a buy order in at nine dollars and the stock just keeps going up and it's 11 and it's 12 and you forget about this good till cancelled order and three weeks go by and all of a sudden this stock starts going down and down and down and then it goes through nine dollars and you buy but you don't know because you haven't you've forgotten about the order and you haven't really checked your broking thing to see whether you because you forgot about the order and then it goes down to eight seven and six dollars over the next two three months and then you look at your broker thing and you go well, what how have i got that share i didn't buy that share but because you had a good tool cancelled order it took you up on the way down and if you're saying that's never happened it has i know people that have happened too it does happen because you place it now and it's in the top of your mind but then you might go back to work things happen and you forget about it don't place good till cancelled orders um, because as I said there are people trying to at the moment they're trying to speculate with them um, but what's happening is and ASIC says that but they are exposed to significant price swings in response to overnight international news and market performance and may expose retail investors to unexpected losses so ASIC's telling you don't do it but the people that think they know better they're going to be doing it um, absolutely so let's move on to the next little bit i'm going to talk to, still on good tool cancelled orders now that's saying from the period of 1 january to 1 april 2020 use of good tool cancel orders by clients of retail brokers increased dramatically uh, these clients are also responsible for the vast majority of good to cancelled orders which shares with you most people don't know what they're doing when they're placing orders now there's a figure on this page on page seven um, shows a number of accumulated good to cancelled orders that did not execute intraday and hence were restated at the beginning of the next trading day that's what happens it just keeps going on 
As volatility and retail trading increased, initially the accumulated reinstatements dipped, even as the use of good tool cancelled orders, uh, even as the use increased. Um, this could be because many good tool cancelled order orders far away from the current mark market prices were able to execute in today due to extreme volatility. So what it's saying is that people had these good tool cancelled orders in because of the stream volatility we had in March, some of them got taken up and they were away from the market. So these people got taken up on the way down, like I was just saying before. And that's really what's scaring me about this report. People were doing that. And we've had people on our TV shows, on our Wealth Within TV, saying to us, I bought this stock you know, at the, on this date. And it's now down 20% from what I bought it for. They were probably caught with these sorts of things. So don't ever put a good tool cancelled order in. Never do that. It's not a smart thing. When I'm placing orders, it's always good for the day. That's all I do. It's good for the day. At the end of the day, if I can get taken up, I need to then make a concerted effort the next day to place my order again. And that's what I keep doing. And yet it's a tiny little bit more work, but it's so much more safe for you to do that. Um, now, um, as it goes on to say, just to finish this last little paragraph, um, obviously, um, as volatility tempered recently, we started to see a build-up of good till cancel orders that were not hit intraday and hence were restated at the start of the next trading day. So what they're saying there is in the, the market moved up over a few weeks in April. The, the, the good tool cancelled orders kept were building up. People were putting them in and building up because they weren't getting taken out or take, taken up in the marketplace. So there's a lot of them still sitting there. So if the market goes south, a lot of these people will get taken up again on the way down again and losing money. And again, it's so risky. So, so, so risky. So again, I haven't even finished. I'm only halfway through the report and, and you can tell in my voice and the passion that I'm saying, I want you to make money. But I want you to do it smart, you know, just picking a stock randomly and hoping you're getting it right. And again, like I think I said on my first um, episode of this one is there's people out there in April that made money on the marketplace and they're out there boasting, beating their chest. If that was you, <laughs> seriously stand in front of that mirror and have a chat with that person. Because if you made money in April, it is nothing to be boasting about, especially if you're not highly educated. And as we chatted on the first one, you're probably delusional about how much you know and how good you are. And again, I'm not trying to be rude to people. I'm trying to be realistic. And you know, being a realist means you take it for what it is. And you need to measure yourself. And most people that tell me they're traders on a scale of 1 to 10, when I start talking to them, they're at a level 1 at best out of 10 when they're looking at my measuring scale, looking at who are real traders who are people that know what they're doing and who are can or who can and do consistently profitable compared to the majority out there. And the majority are not traders. They're more speculators and gamblers. And we've seen that rampant over the last six to eight weeks during March um, and into April. But anyway, you've been listening to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillen, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Take care. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.